to Radio Wave. I am Ashley Liebig, your host, and today I am joined here with my co-host. What's up, guys? I'm Nick. And today we have a very special guest. We have a Mr. Riley Chrisman. And he is a very talented, very well-versed music major here at UNLV. And I am so lucky, or I should say we are so lucky, to have him here today with us. Today's topic is going to be comfort music. I've kind of been going through it lately, so I thought it would be a good topic to talk about. um, What do you mean going through it? (laughs) (laughs) What are you you going through? Um, Lots of things, right? Yeah, I am. I was kind of on and off with this one guy for about a year. And then I officially ended things with him. Uh, For Honestly, for this other guy that um, is really sweet and is treating me really well. So there's two guys. I hope it works out. Basically, but um, also not the point. Um, (laughs) The point is, is that I have a half and half music stack right now of really, really happy, but also like kind of really sad. So I'm like, all right. We're gonna talk about this this week, kind of. So thing. what's what's getting you through this? Just hitting me with these hard questions. You right weren't now. prepared. I was prepared. Um, so you're the host. My shut <laughs> up. Uh, so one of my top songs right now is "Get to You" from Michael Ray. Oh gosh. Because well, for one, it's country. Heck yeah, there it is. Real is country. Or time? Pop. Uh, it's kind of pop country. You should listen to our country uh, episode. Okay, I mean, I will do. I bashed pop as a, country as a fellow, for a good half hour. You actually bash it? Pretty much. Yeah, I bashed pop country for a good, like, half oh, pop hour. pop country's different. Like, Nashville's trying to do all these snap and clap beats, and they're, like, ruining country. <laughs> but, yeah, that's I, literally what we talked about. There you go. I didn't <laughs> that's literally what we talked about. <laughs> it, it, you know what's actually very interesting about that is the industry and how it pushes. Like, you see with TikTok, a lot of TikTokers are making their money on TikTok. And that's where the industry's actually moving. Well, previous to that, whenever Taylor Swift switched from country to pop, Nashville went, wait, can we market this? And they started trying to replicate what L.A. was doing, basically. And mm-hmm. that kind of caused a lot of divide in the country music scene, even in places like Alabama, where, you know, a lot of people listen to country music. It flopped a lot of people from country into newer things because that's what the entry was doing and people just follow. Yeah. But then your true like country listeners were like, I don't like this. And now that's why you get all of the people like, ah, oh, country's not the same as it was. And they're on like the Hank Williams Jr. and that. Yeah, <laughs> I feel well, you on that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have like I have Hank Williams Jr. on vinyl. I have a yeah. record. Um, I was fun. very like I was very adamant with Merle Haggard because I feel like he's a tried and true. Fair. Also, like Donna Fargo. Yeah. One of my happy albums. So, yeah, sure. you're probably honestly even deeper than me. Like, I have a love for country to the point where, like, my girlfriend's even sometimes like, why? What? Is, like, I understand you're from Alabama, but why? <laughs> Too much. And I'll, like, force her to listen to it. But she has an appreciation for yeah. music, so she can appreciate country and understand the storytelling yeah. and whatnot. But. That's kind of like my parents are. Like, my uh, my dad is is the country guy, and my mom is, like, the easy listening, like, Frank mm. Sinatra girl. Like, how country is your dad? My oh, probably like, like <laughs> probably like what we were saying. Yeah, you know, like, like I don't know as many old country songs as he knows, and I say old, but I mean like nineties country. You're cheating, or oh, oh, so he's gone. Oh, that's real country. Like, that's country. I love that song. Actually, look, I know people make fun of it, but I actually really like it. Um, but anyways, back to the country uh, comfort. Music. She's trying yeah, to turn in country. I mean, country, always comfort. trying to go back comfort to country. country. <laughs> it's fine. I've, I've like I've sprinkled in little Easter eggs on all my episodes, yeah. but um, but going back to comfort music, right now I am listening to "Get to You" from Michael Ray, and uh, the song very much uh, targeted me because uh, the consensus of the song is uh, 
why like the, the chorus is why do you run away from love what the <laughs> hell are you so scared of oh. and i'm like okay cool oh you're vibing dude i'm like fire that, that's actually a really cool concept when it comes to music like one of the things that i love is you can find yourself in lots of different music you know like you were saying with that one with the chorus and what you found you found yourself in the music it's interesting even as artists we try to create that for ourselves you know and find our own place with that but for listeners, you know, like the common people who don't know how to play an instrument or even maybe dabbled a little bit, they can have that same feeling. And, and honestly, that's what gravitates me to music is I'm into a lot of different things. I feel like I, I love researching and learning in general, but music is always just the thing I come back to for that same reason. Like you had, I just feel a gravitational pull to like sometimes artists or songs I listen to really just explain where I am. Yeah. And that's why to me, music is such a beautiful art. Like you have physical art. It takes up physical space. Yes. And that's what creates a visual representation of our feelings and maybe the emotion of a culture during a certain time period. We also get that with music. Just it's not as visual as with listening, but it can be a place of time for us where we see this picture. It reminds us of 2008. I listen to the song. It reminds me of how I was feeling the summer of 2008. So we paint our own canvas mentally with music. And that's why, like, you know, for me, music is such a strong art. Yeah, same way with the you were so eloquently spoken that was perfect <laughs> that was perfect funny. spot on that was like beautifully <laughs> that's, said I'm you. just like I'm yeah, like exactly, looking at you yeah. and I'm like yes I'm more well, that's, I'm more, that's the whole yeah. reason why I started this podcast too is because like going through COVID and especially like going through the rough patch that we've collectively gone through as a society music has been something that we've really gravitated towards but the sad thing is that we had that dark period because those mm -hmm. musicians couldn't get together and create something that we would actually like go to in these rough times. Mm -hmm. But what is one of your, like during like a rough patch or a rough time, what would you say is one of your comfort songs? Ooh, so this depends on which types of different emotions I feel. For instance, I have a playlist called Oblivion and that's my like go to like sad boy hours playlist. And it's, it has a lot of different things going on with it. You know, it has like your Lewis Capaldi, someone you love, stuff like that, you know, but it also has some songs that probably a lot of people who are even listening to this podcast aren't going to really know, like some chili pepper stuff, because that's what I grew up on. It's what I really like. Right. So there, I have a lot of different vibes going on within that playlist. However, if I'm like an angry, sad, I'm turning on something a little bit grungier, like some audio slave. That's just like some heavier oh. feelings. Oh, he knows. He knows. Yeah, I know a little bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, or if I'm just like really, really depressed, kind of sad, like I'm putting on the Billie Eilish vibes with uh, what's that song that came out during COVID? Uh, shoot, I forgot what it was, but it was the one that had a really cool drum break and like a, a whole feel. It's nice. Please and, don't tell me it was a bad guy. Yeah, it was a bad guy. It wasn't bad guy. <laughs> okay, I was thinking, I was thinking bad guy. Like, I was like, <laughs> it was the one that starts off real soft and like the video has like rain on it. And then there's like a drum I part. Think, it's like, dude, da, da, da. I think I know And then that drum just kind of hits on the hi hat. It's really cool. But, um, that one's like very mellow, but also kind of uplifting because she's uh, she's talking about how like she's trying to find her true self. And so stuff. You, you like you really like Billie Eilish? Yeah, I actually okay. really do. I, I'm I, feel, I feel like there's not like I feel like she kind of came down a little bit. You know, she was high up and then yeah, kind of fell off a little bit. Do you, do you think she fell off or what? I don't think she fell off, fell off, but definitely sort of like how early, you know, early and late 2019. Yeah, like Post Malone and Billie Eilish were like some of the top big hitters, yeah. you know? And now, since maybe some things have come down a little bit for them, especially for Posty, but Billy, she's just not as trending on TikTok, and that's where a lot of the movement's going. So that's maybe true. where culturally we divert our eyes to the shorter songs with TikTok, or maybe some newer upcoming artists like Dominic Fike, for instance, that are creating these shorter songs and being on you know TV shows that people are watching. Billy's not as much in the media. However, if you look at last Saturday when she won the Grammys, 
you know, she came in, she's still very active in the Grammys, winning awards. Yeah. No time to die. I mean, that was revolutionary. I forgot exactly why it was revolutionary and what it won specifically, but she's still making breakthroughs in with that, you know. And you know why she hasn't been in the media though? I actually her image. it's 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 her image. It's because of TikTok that she's not been in the media. Oh, I had no clue. So she got canceled um over like of like the middle of COVID, so like maybe like twenty twenty one. I thought she was like uncancelable considering most of her stances. Well, that's the thing, is she got canceled for queer baiting. Uh, you know what would save her career though? What? TikTok. If she makes that's a TikTok so song. Wild. I guarantee you she's gonna blow no, up again. I uh, she makes a minute thirty TikTok song, she's taken off. I'll have to oh, look yeah. into that with Billy because I, I had no clue about that. I'll have to look into that. I don't I don't well, stay too much in, her, right? it was yeah, they were body shaming her. So basically, you know her stance with bo- like body image, right? Yeah. Um, so she came out uh with like wearing tank tops and wearing like super like revealing clothing. Yeah, and, and didn't stuff. she do a thing on stage where she like undressed herself and did it all thematically and all of that? Yeah. yeah. I think Wasn't in her a fault? way what? Wasn't that her fault for doing that? It well, is, I think she was trying well, to prove a point, you know. Maybe yeah. it just wasn't taken correctly. Yeah. Wasn't taken lightly. Yeah, and I, I think in a way, too, she was probably, like, trying to be like, hey, like... Well, if she did that 15 years ago, it'd be okay, but can't do that now. Well, that's <laughs> cultural shifts, yeah, you know? That's, I mean, that's, a whole thing, that's the way yeah. music works. Yeah. And culture in general, you know, music just follows culture the same way art would. It's just how right. life exactly. is sometimes. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, she came out with wearing, like, more revealing clothing and then started queer baiting. And that's mm. when a large portion of her following kind of fell off when yeah. it came to media. I think in a way, though, it, it just comes down to true fans. That's so the whole fair. thing with Morgan Wallen happening about a year ago with him saying not so uh, very, well, nice things <laughs> to his uh, to his buddy Um he he got canceled from that, but there were so many like fans of his that stuck around. And now, even like even now, like a, almost a year later, it's still hard for him to get back into the media. And with Billy, I think it's going going to be hard for her to get back into the media because she does have a lot of true fans like yourself. Um, but it's just stuff like that where it's like we can listen to these artists and we can appreciate their music, but there's so much behind it that's absolutely like it's so insane to think of the social projection of like what they're allowed and not allowed to do. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, for instance, for me, I actually like Travis Scott. I, I have a lot of different branches when it comes to music. I like a lot of different things. But even though I like Travis Scott, I don't know if it's appropriate to play him in public, not anymore. You know, I hear it sometimes and some people are like, oh, it's not a big deal, but is it considering the way culture has moved? If I play Travis Scott, will that offend somebody now because of what he did at that concert, you know, and whatever side you take with the whole concert thing, I'm not saying, you know, I'm for or against them, but I do like his music, you know, are you talking about Astroworld? That whole Astroworld thing. Yeah. 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 That whole situation was whack. It was very whack. And, you know, I don't want to get into that because it's not yeah. what we're here about. But <laughs> just that feeling of, of we're talking about the cancel culture of things, you know, they, people were saying don't stream his music that's supporting him you know yeah well is it actually considering most money doesn't actually go to musicians in that sense even if it does considering you know suits that he's up against and like things he has to pay off are you maybe actually supporting those people that he ends up having to reprimand you know so i don't know because obviously i haven't looked into it but yeah i think it's a little tough like when you like something it's like saying hey you know you really like hershey's chocolate cool but because a group of people have an opinion no more hershey's chocolate <laughs> well what if I disagree or agree with that opinion? Or maybe I, and it's kind of a hard topic because you are still supporting them it's, and you still have to fight your like, own battles. What if I you know? just don't care about the topic because the Hershey's, like Hershey's chocolate makes me happy? Yeah. To an extent, <laughs> if there's a line drawn in the sand where like, this is completely and morally unokay and no matter yeah. who you are, 
this is going to be wrong. Like this is considered wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That probably is going to change some things. I'll have to find some other areas. Well, yeah. Not saying that what he did wasn't, wasn't awful. Yeah. <laughs> but he wasn't like straight up killing someone on stage or anything. And yeah. since there's that's so the much thing, there's so much area. unknown. Yeah. There's so yeah. much unknown with that. So Once it's black and white, that's different. Yeah. Uh, there's so much gray area, especially when it comes to pop culture in general, too. So I think it's just it's it's a hard thing when we look at the sociological aspect of music. But music itself, I mean, with the way that music makes us feel, I know I got through middle school because of a lot of alt rock. Eminem music. for me. Yeah, <laughs> Eminem, Eminem. For you? I love I'm it. still going through Eminem, so yeah. yeah I mean, still I still hit him up every once in a while. You sound like you're still going through. Oh, I, love, I love Eminem. I, Eminem, yeah, the goat. What's hey. one of your uh, What's one of your comfort artists? Oh, Mac Miller, dude. Mac Miller. Uh, Mac Miller. I actually have a playlist <laughs> called Chill Pill. That's yes. like some some chiller stuff. Yeah. Mac Miller. 2012, 2013. Mac. Dude, is the, the, he's yeah. Swimming and swimming in circles. That whole oh concept. Have you heard Macadelic? Do what? Macadelic? Yeah. Oh my, Macadelic. I mean, we're like, chill vibes. Let's try to keep it in the chill. Oh yeah, well, yeah. It gets to kind of be chill, but yeah, Macadelic. Like, yeah, freshman year of high school. Yeah, yeah got me through a lot. You know, I, I hate to say this, but I actually came on Mac the day he died. I had a friend of mine who was like, you know, sobbing over his yeah. death, and I had no clue who he was. And we spent that whole night just listening. Really? To Mac. And I was like, man, I missed out. What, what, what was the first like song you heard? Um, what is? Shoot, like what, 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 what got the you really turned? soft piano? Uh, come back to earth, come back to earth, yeah, <laughs> yes, I got I, you. that, yeah. that song and it that like actually reflected that time period of my life very well. I was actually See? going through some things where I was like going through like all spirituality stuff and like figuring myself out with life. Yep. And that song, like, is very thematic to that, which kind of goes with this whole comfort thing. Yeah. Sometimes I find comfort in actually listening to a song like that going back and reminiscing on that time period, you know, like you're talking about the sociology of music and how it makes us feel certain time periods and like your own it takes you back it really it really does i think in a way nostalgic music kind of it helps because when you listen to like for me i am very valley girl so of course when i was younger i was listening to like uh one direction or like early justin bieber oopsies hey i like (laughs) early justin yeah early justin bieber but one direction Oh come on! Gosh, there's like there's a couple songs. There was some really good. So- I, what makes you beautiful? That's a pretty good song. I don't, I don't hate them. They just weren't my jam. But that was I a little. Um, but <laughs> it's like it's songs like those or um, Colt Forty Five. Colt Forty Five. That's classic. Those are classic. Yeah, those are classics. Classics. For sure. But um, or like for Galicious or just oh. some of those. <laughs> well, I get down with some I'm just saying, but um, I feel like in a way those nostalgic songs are what brings us to almost happier times because we are in such a complex world right now where when we go back and we listen to more nostalgic music it's like it's like oh back when i was a kid summer of 2015 or whatever and it's like like you were saying painting that canvas yeah so it's like when i i know with me i don't usually gravitate towards a whole lot of sad songs but when i do it's like when i'm forcing myself to cry that's fair. But when I need to like just revel in the feeling that I'm having, I always go back to like early like twenty like two thousands. Like I think a lot of us do. I think yeah. that's kind of like what we do with art. We gravitate towards nostalgic things. Like for instance, I know this is a little off topic, but Lego Star Wars just came out. And I've been playing oh, I it. I love that. Yeah. And like I've just been playing it because <laughs> Wait, I want that nostalgic a new vibe. Game? Like a new Lego Star Wars game? Yeah, what? like literally Are like all kidding? nine episodes, the whole thing. Yeah. 
Dude, I played that as a kid, like yeah, every time. I forced my brother yeah. to play it with me. Yes, 100%. And I, I actually that. find myself gravitating towards nostalgic things like that in order to get myself out of sort of quote unquote depressive spells. Because yeah. sometimes that happens, you know, especially going through like learning ourselves. We're so young and yeah. going, going to college and like getting all these different perspectives. Sometimes you can try to become a little uncomplacent with your mortality and you're like, what am I doing? Where am I going? And what is life? And then you just calm yourself down and be like, it's going to be okay. Do some nostalgic stuff. Yeah. Translating that with music. If you look at certain things that we find with nostalgia, such as pictures that we take and, and the way the artists would do it physically, they have their different strokes of a paintbrush or different colors and concepts. I mean, look at Baroque type art versus, you know, later art. Some you know, with churches, they had a lot of the glass stains versus now they have a lot, maybe more watercolors and some of the stuff. And then modern art, so plain and simple. There's so many different stylistic choices with just paint and a brush. Now think about how technology is advanced with music. A lot of the nostalgic vibes we feel are from maybe older recorded mics, microphones they used to use for vocals or different types of drum patterns because drum patterns and beats were becoming new with computers. And so some of those midier type sounds were less realistic, but felt more complacent to the nostalgic feeling that we have. So looking at those things, that's our musician's paintbrush. Our paintbrush maybe becomes a little bit more advanced and a little bit less of just simple a stroke of a brush, but it's a stro stroke of a mouse click now with different midis and different sounds that we can use. So now maybe for some of us, music's becoming so streamlined, so cookie cutter, that even though when people go out of the box, it's not feeling as if they're going out of the box. Now, I think there's a lot of artists that do and don't do that today. You know, we have a lot of simplistic chord progressions and you've seen those YouTube videos where one dude plays the same chord progression and plays like 18 different songs. <laughs> kind of like uh, Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell going on yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You know, it, we, you can do that with music and that's what makes it beautiful. And, you know, melody is where the money is, you know, because you can't copyright a chord progression well i don't know sometimes there's there's been some debate in the courts but let's pray not because that would drastically change music but with that you see those nostalgic vibes and not only with that maybe even some earlier chord progressions like for instance with country music people joke in a musician's world of things we would call most country music a chord progression a one four five which is just the, the type of chord used in a basic music. chord yeah. right now with country music today especially with the snap and clap beats of things going on a one four five doesn't fit as well so now they're maybe changing that, making it a little bit more complex or maybe rearranging those chords or creating different chord structures that are going to be more complacent with the time period now until a new revelation is made, you know, in the industry that is. So to kind of wrap it together and bring a long story a little bit shorter, that may be why you gravitate to those nostalgic things or why maybe when you hear something today, even though it's new, it makes you feel nostalgic because they're using maybe some older technology or older concepts that bring you that type of comfort. And so... For all of us, we find comfort in those different things. It could be those feelings and those senses. It could be chord progressions. It could be artists. I mean, for me, Red Hot Chili Peppers just released an album Friday. Complete Ooh. new music. But I feel like I've gone back to almost high school, like when I first picked up guitar, and I'm falling in love with music all over again in a whole different way. Yeah. And that's my own interpretation of it. You show someone else who doesn't really listen to the Peppers that much. They're like, yeah, they're going to be like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they'll maybe be like, oh, that sounds like something my dad would listen to, yeah. maybe, but it still feels new. So to them, they wouldn't get the same feeling. So it's not only what music does and the relationship in the industry, but the relationship with ourselves and our own lives in the industry. Yeah. You know, how What we grew up listening to and how it made us feel given the time period we were in. Do you think I artists... I really just want to say I found I feel so much smarter just listening <laughs> to you talk. Yeah, that was very eloquent. I, <laughs> Thank you. Very eloquent. Okay. Do you think artists go through this too, though? Like, like what, what, we're, what we're going through, like with songs, like oh, what do you think there's oh, their go to? Like, yeah, like identity. Yeah, like, do they listen to their own music or like? I I gotta imagine 
like, okay, so our last uh, episode, I, I talked quite a bit about panic, but that's quite a bit. Yeah, it's understatement. I mean, <laughs> I love I love panic at the disco. I absolutely love them. Um, and I've I can only speak to the fact that I have deep dived into panic's musical intent. Um, yeah, they actually have some really cool concepts. You they know? do, and each album that they go through is a different style. It's a change in their style. Yeah, wasn't there? Didn't they make like a folk album too? Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. I was no. like, what? No, uh, that was their first album. Actually, yeah, I, I was about to say, I think it was, it was like their one first. of their first albums. <laughs> I just um, don't want to misspeak. Um, but they made like they've changed their style with every single album, and um, Brendan Urie actually talked a bit about how that identity was something he wanted to morph into. So I got to imagine that other artists listen to their music and they want to like, they want to shift. I know with Khalid, he, uh, he was very much like making music for that high schooler and all of us where it was like, like I'm a young kid. Yeah, look at his music videos. They're, yeah. they're like high school kind of themed. And, but he was older, but he was targeting that audience. And now that like we've grown up, he's growing up with us. That's a good and point. he's he's changing his style and his music with us. So there's there's a lot of different artists that do that where they're like changing their style mm-hmm. as they grow, as we grow, which is probably why you still feel nostalgic with Red Hot Ch- uh, Chili Peppers yeah. because they're growing with you. So in a way, like you're right, like you're still parallel with how they were when you were a kid. Exactly. Especially now that like the, my favorite guitar player, John Versante, he left and joined the band on several occasions, this being one of them. And this is his return. And so that, that adds a little bit more to it as well, especially considering like he's literally my favorite. So that adds a little bit of bias to it, obviously, but that bias is what makes it mine, you know, and kind of going off some of the points you're talking about, like with artists and how they feel 100% artists feel that way. If you watch interviews with artists and ask them about older music, they'll tell you, they get those feelings and it reminds them of those time periods because that was their music to them. Some artists don't like listening to their own music and they find it in others and some do. It, everybody's different and every artist in the same way will be different. But a good example to look at and because this is a little bit of an if, if you're a Taylor Swift fan, you're going to hate me. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But I love John Mayer, especially as a guitar player. And I know there's a lot of hate behind him because of the way he behaved, but he really went through a revelation and changed. Yeah. And to go with that and to, and to point that and to prove it. Yeah. You have to look at some of his albums that he created after the big debacle with the whole Playboy magazine thing. He went to Montana, he bought a house and he sat there and he recorded a whole entire album. And it was basically his relationship with trying to find himself and figure out who he truly was and get away from being this bad person that he'd kind of developed into being, mm-hmm. you know, he grew up kind of early in the industry and it really affected him and, and he wasn't the best with women. And so he wanted to figure out what can I do to change myself and make myself better. And you can hear that in his music. And he says that to this day when you look at those albums. In fact, Born and Raised is one of my favorite albums by him. It's not my favorite, but it's up there just because that shows that reflection of change. And when I first listened to that album, I had the same thing going on with me. I would moved to college. I had to decide what I thought was right and kind of decide, you know, who am I? I went from being a big fish in a small pond to a lot bigger of a lake or an ocean. And that kind of affected me. Yeah. And that album really broadcasted that to me and his same feelings. So artists 100% go through the same thing and the same changes. Now, the problem is being on a pedestal like that, sometimes the culture doesn't change with you and it's really hard to fight that. And that's one thing I think that separates the artists from us that we can't understand because we don't understand that media presence and the fight against you changing as a person. If I go to my hometown and tell people I've changed and explain my experience, they'll welcome me with open arms. If John Mayer goes to any city and tries to do that, 
a lot of Taylor Swift fans and others that aren't and are just against him are not going to agree with that, you know, and that's just media presence. And regardless of if you want to believe his change or not, that's from a human to human basis, not a human to artist basis. And sometimes I feel like we forget to break that glass and take off the shades and really understand that these people are human, too. And so when you think about that 100 percent, you can feel it in the artist's music. You can understand it because of that musical and emotional connection. Even without that, on a humanitarian standpoint, like because yeah, they got to be going through the same things we're going through. Like yeah. they go through breakups. Like what I are mean, they, what are they what are they putting you, on? You look at you look at Louis Capaldi. You look at James Arthur. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at Lucas Graham. I mean, what? Um, oh, Lucas Graham. That's, Lucas Graham mm-hmm. is such a great artist, yes. and I love I love his music. I love Louis Capaldi. Those artists alone are the ones on my sad girl hours playlist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato's music speaks Demi. volumes yeah. to She's her really journey. Good. I love her. But it, it's stuff like that where it's like you you look at the music that they're producing and what they're putting out. Yeah. And the reason why it connects to so many people is because it connects to them personally. Yeah, I mean, look at Taylor Swift fans. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate Taylor Swift. I actually really enjoy Taylor Swift. I love her country music. I honestly like her country music a little bit more than her pop. But that's just because I, when she was going through pop, I was going through Chili Peppers and stuff. And so I was kind of on a different vibe. But I totally respect her music and respect her as an artist. Right. You know? And with that, look at her, what kind of made her, the whole breakup thing, right? She broke up with a lot of dudes. Even though we make a mockery of it, that was how she was feeling. Even if she was doing it on purpose, whatever your opinion is, she still went through that regardless. Sometimes we do a lot of things to ourselves on purpose, too, that aren't breaking up. Maybe it's our eating habits or sleeping habits or procrastination. <laughs> we do things to ourselves knowingly, and maybe she did it for money. We do a lot of things for money, too, you know, that yeah. aren't breaking a line or anything or crossing more boundaries. I mean, you look, at, you look at Taylor Swift fans, too. They're diehards. You cannot tell me <laughs> no. that any Taylor Swift fan is not a diehard no. Taylor Swift fan. Oh, my, yeah. You, you've met, you met my best friend, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, she's a <laughs> diehard Taylor Swift fan. We had Barry in here for our first episode. Diehard Taylor Swift oh, fan. Yeah. We have so many. I'm more of a like, casual fan. But <laughs> yeah, just casual. I mean, <laughs> just I'm cool. more of like early Taylor Swift because that's yeah. when I was in, like you said, when she was going into pop, I was going into panic. So it yeah. was like, but then they collabed and I got so happy. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I didn't like the song itself for the integrity of what Panic at the Disco is, but. I liked the fact that they collapsed. But also, like you were saying earlier, they tried so many different things. That is what they are. You know, look at uh, Brandon Urie. He did Molly with uh, Little D, right? Mm -hmm. That's actually one of my favorite Little D songs because it's so raw and real. And yeah, Yeah. Little D's, you know, a funny rapper and a comedic rapper. That's why I enjoy his music, too. I think it's funny. But also his real his real stuff. Like, I don't know how true that story is to Little D, but it's very beautiful. And Brandon (laughs) Urie's vocals. I was like, oh, yeah, that's that dude from Panic! (laughs) The Disco. Holy crap. You know, and. It, that's that's kind of how they are. And a lot of musicians are like that, too. Yeah. I mean, there's one song uh, called Keep On Keeping On mm-hmm. from yeah. him. I I love that song because I have so many momentary spells of me just not wanting to do anything. <laughs> I get into a very, uh, very dark place in my mind. And songs like that, that kind of just are like, nope, keep going. Yeah. You got broken wings, you can still fly kind of thing. <laughs> no, totally broken get it. wings from Martina McBride. Yeah, we all have our own versions. But it's totally respectable. That's that's the thing is, is that there's so many artists that have come out with songs like just about it's okay. <laughs> like it's okay to not be okay kind Look of at like, NF. concept. Yeah. That's like his that's like no, his whole thing. <laughs> that's, okay, the search album from NF is my favorite album from yeah. him. I have um I have uh when I grow up 
on repeat yeah, in yeah. my truck. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. I do that too. Like even as a musician, people have this idea that, you know, we listen to a million different things. And if you ask me, I'm like an encyclopedia of music. No. Like I know a lot. I know a lot, but I'm not going to sit there and tell you, oh yeah, the Night Dreamer album from 1972 written and produced by blah, blah, blah. Like no. I do the same thing that a lot of people do too. I will put one song on repeat for who knows how long. Oh, yeah. Heck, I've had the Chili Peppers album on repeat all week, you know? And yeah. sometimes it'll be just a few songs. Like I'll have one song I'm really in love with. There's this guy named, uh, shoot, I'm going to butcher this. I apologize, but it's like Toby Inu. And he has a song called uh, It's All Right or It's Okay Now. I was sad last night. I'm okay now. And that song was that on me. repeat <laughs> for like a week, maybe two. And I just fell in love with it. And, and it's cool because I, the more I listen to it, the more I'm able to dive into what the artist was creating. Some of the musical complexity that as an artist, I pay attention to the balance of different instruments and what they're doing. And I like to learn how to replicate that. But for people who don't learn how to replicate that, that's you training your ears. As a musician, we train our ears to find things we like. We do it to replicate it. But as a listener, you do it to find that replication somewhere else. You know, something uh, something I really want this podcast in general to just become is eventually I I want to do the the big deep dive into Grammys or ACMs or TikTok music as a whole. But eventually I want to dive into individual music. So individual albums and dive into what they mean, because I grew up with Montgomery Gentry. Those albums, you can hear his life story in those albums. Demi Lovato, you can hear hers in those albums as well. And I really would like to dive into what these albums meant to these artists. Yeah, 100%. And I think you've said it, like, I I can't even say pretty well. You've said it beautifully (laughs) of of what what this music means to these artists, but also what it means to ourselves and how... How it's very parallel to us as well as the artists, and I think that's a beautiful thing. And the way that you've said it has been like couldn't perfect. be put out. Yeah, more yeah. Perfect. Honestly, I'm just like okay. I'm <laughs> like it. I'm like smiling. I'm nodding. I'm yeah. like yes. This yeah. this is exactly what I mean. So I mean, this, what I'm about to recommend isn't for most average listeners or even honestly some musicians. But there's this hey, guy. We don't have average listeners here. We have extraordinary. <laughs> oh, listeners. my apologies, my apologies. Well, <laughs> if you feel so inclined to understand music as an art a little bit more. You can gather some opinions on a guy named John Cage. He's a guy who did some 20th century compositional work. And he's actually, he has one of the most, uh forgot how to, I don't know, how to, I can't recall how to say this properly, but it is one of the most controversial pieces of music in music history. And it's a piece called Four Minutes and 33 Seconds. And it's if you can look it up on iTunes, Spotify, whatever, right now, it is four minutes and 33 seconds of absolute silence. It has three movements. And they're actually world-renowned orchestras, symphonies, you name it, that have performed this work because the ideology behind it was what do we conceptualize as music and what does it make us as individuals and how do we gather that? Now, it sounds really pretentious. I know, I know. Wow. I wasn't ready for that. (laughs) In the 20th century, there was a lot of composers doing this. John Cage is just probably one of the more popular ones and honestly my favorite Mm -hmm. because he did a lot of really whack things, one of them being called Waterwalk, where... He takes a timer and at exactly a certain time, he does an exact certain thing, such as tapping a vase or throwing a watermelon in a bathtub. And it's obviously what we would consider, quote unquote, non-musical. But the concept was, what do we define as music? And to, and to him, he was trying to say, it's a collection of sounds that make us feel a certain way. Long story short, you know, from the whenever that piece is performed, from a baby crying or a man coughing or a scoot of a chair, 
that's a different interpretation of that silence. And he's trying to show the essence of beauty and silence in that four minutes and 33 seconds. He's just trying to expand the mind and our concepts of music. Now, if you take that approach and put it with actual music that we would consider actual music, not to say that isn't actual music, you get very different ideologies because a lot of people will say that's not music. In fact, my best friend is one of them. We've argued about this for years. <laughs> I think it is. You know, maybe it's the pretentious artsy person in me. But I think that's so beautiful to, that we can conceptualize music that way just to truly understand that it's a set of sounds that make us invoke a certain feeling, whether it be nostalgia or it be happiness, sadness or you know, whatever it is for us. That's our own interpretation we get from it because we're so vast and have so many variables as humans. Why can't music be the same way? It already is just with its theory, which, by the way, is theory, not law in nature. You can have all these concepts. You can choose to break these rules or not. Stay within these guidelines. Color in the lines or not. And then, boom, you have all these different vast ways you can understand, feel, and create music. Well, songs don't have to have words either. Exactly. I feel like people, like, that's what people think. They're like, ask that if it doesn't have words. Like, you know, it's Neil's song from Up. That were they playing and it's like mm -hmm. that sad, like that yeah. beat. Like, when you yeah. hear that, though, you're thinking Up. Like, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, you don't need words. I mean, just like songs. and movies. You know, exactly. Star Wars with the Vader themes. Yeah, like, that, like yeah. you don't need words. I mean... Black Veil, or not, uh, Welcome to the Black Parade. Oh, yeah. That's the one note, you know what it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> right away. Or Kanye, that one song where he just taps exactly. the piano. Yes. You know? Like, exactly. <laughs> you don't need it. You that, don't need words. That's the whole thing. Yeah. You know, it I just invokes a that. feeling. Um, have you ever listened to Eric Whitaker? Yes. Mm. <laughs> yes. She's just like, mm, yes. <laughs> yes. I thought you were going to go further. But she's like, mm, yeah. Uh, Seal Lullaby is one of my favorite songs from him. Uh, just because it, it it's not about anything other than a seal, but like it's beautiful. And the way that you like when you listen to it, it's just beautiful. And it has this sense of just like a hug. Yeah, I, I get it. that. You know, I there's a lot it. of different songs like that. There's a John Mayer song where he talks about Walter Grace's submarine. It has nothing to do with John. He's writing a story about someone else. <laughs> right. You look at this. There's another song called Mount St. Helens. It's a really weird jazz thing that's completely like whack but it you know again it's not really it's just trying to evoke the emotion of being whack yeah. or look at billy you know she writes songs and perspectives that aren't her own and i think that's actually kind of a really cool and courageous thing to do because that's stepping outside of the box of music you know yeah. and uh getting on with billy by the way real quick side note if you like billy check out her brother honestly i like him and his music more than hers but that's i did not even know his brother his name, brother. His name is phineas phineas, phineas o'connell so oh yeah and if you, if you check him out check out some songs um there's this one album it's called like blood something i can't recall it's very red and stuff uh but just check that out the, the singles from that album very they're from most popular stuff those are really fun uh love it well thank you so much riley for coming on thank you uh, this thank week you. i really appreciate it and all of the beautiful words that you have said <laughs> about you. music so eloquently <laughs> Thank you all for listening. We are Radio Wave. I am once again your host, Ashley Liebig, and I am joined here with Nick and a, our very special guest, Riley Chrisman. And we're going to be on the radio every Wednesday from 630 on 91.5 HD2. We are going to be uploading every Thursday on Spotify. I'm working on iTunes, guys. I promise. We're going to get a TikTok up and running. And then if you go ahead and go to Instagram, you can follow us on Radio Wave uh, underscore UNLV. And we'll catch you on the wave. See you next time. Bye.